to tell the people what you spent your Sunday doing? Guys, I've been doing this all day today, so I've been going to the Wikipedia page for Home Alone 2 Lost in New York, and in the profile that always accompanies most Wikipedia pages, under starring, listed very last, behind Catherine O'Hara, was Donald Trump. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to erase anything here, but I've been taking him out of it all day. I know. I keep erasing it and editing it, and someone keeps putting him back in. (laughs) I'm sorry. Donald Trump does not star in Home Alone 2 Lost in New York. He's in it for six seconds. Oh, my God. That is not a starring role make. (laughs) It is not starring Donald Trump. Okay. Are you good? You got that out of your system? Yes. Welcome back to Kicking and Streaming, where thankfully enough, we never lose our luggage. (laughs) I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And this week, we are talking about the 1992 Christmas sequel, Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. It's the same movie, guys. We're doing the same movie it's we a, did last year. It's a little shameless. I mean, it's okay. You know why? Because it made $330 million. It made more money than the first one. Like, everybody was like, okay, I want to see this kid get lost in New York. I'm like, <laughs> why is everyone so giddy for the child endangerment? I don't know, man. <laughs> and like, I just, I can't, I can't believe it. It was still the third highest grossing film that year. Behind. Behind Aladdin and behind The Bodyguard. <laughs> Whitney! Whitney! Whitney, I love you! Before we get started, don't forget, go follow us on Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at kickingandstreamingpodcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. And don't forget, folks, please be practicing the three R's. Rate, review, retweet. Rate, review, retweet, folks. We want everyone to come and join our little watch party. Trinity back this year. Yes, we do. We have directed by Chris Columbus. It was written by John Hughes and music by John Williams. They just took the music from the last one, right? For the most part, except for that one tune that sounds just like Somewhere in My Memory. 
<laughs> yeah. So guys, we're gonna do an abbreviated version of We've Got Names. That's okay. That's okay. Most of the same people are back. Yeah, no, we have a, we have a lot of returning folks this week and some new faces. Obviously, we've got Macaulay Culkin back. As, hey, Macaulay Culkin. Yeah. Kellen McCullough-Cuddy, welcome back. As Kevin McAllister and Catherine O'Hara and John Hurd are returning as his parents. Peter and Kate. Yes. And the entire cast of his family returns. Indeed. Including Devin Ratray as his older brother Buzz and his uh, sibling Kieran Culkin as Fuller. Yes, the, his co- <laughs> the, the cousin that wets the bed. Yes, the cousin that wets the bed. Joe Pesci is returning as Harry, one of our burglars this week. And credited and acclaimed actor David Stern. <laughs> Isn't it Daniel Stern? Is it? See? <laughs> See? I didn't even remember his name correctly. He thinks he's such hot shit. Right. <laughs> he's back as Marv. And we have some newcomers this week, including Brenda Fricker as the Pigeon Lady. <sighs> so she's not the South Bend Shovel Slayer. But no, she's the Pigeon Lady. She's the Central Park Pigeon Predator? No. Yeah, sure. We'll go with that. No. Sure. You guys will recognize Brenda from Angels in the Outfield. Mm-hmm. So I Married an Axe Murderer. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, my left foot. She's like Kathy Bates light to me. A little bit. You know what I mean? A little bit, yeah. And then playing, I I didn't know this character had a name that wasn't just the concierge, but Mr. Hector. Mr. Hector. The the concierge, played by Tim Curry. This is post-Pennywise Tim Curry, and I was astounded. Oh, I know. I was like, hmm, scurry. Yeah, you guys will recognize Tim Curry. Scurry Curry? Scurry Curry, yeah. From (laughs) Stephen King's It. Tim Scurry. (laughs) (laughs) And obviously Rocky Horror Picture Show, Clue. He's from our one of our favorite adaptations of Annie. Mm-hmm. And he was also in Fern Gully. He's a classic, guys. He, he's a timeless talent. Playing one of his desk clerks, we have Dana Ivy. She's been with us many times. The racist lady. Yeah, the racist lady from both The Help and from The Color Purple. Yeah, like the white woman causing trouble for no reason. Yeah, and then she was also in Sleepless in Seattle, where she was also a white woman causing trouble for no reason. Imagine that. She's the woman that Tom Hanks is renovating that house for. Oh, everything's lining up. We we just had Mrs. Tom Hanks in our last coverage. (laughs) Yeah, we sure did. And they were in Sleepless in Seattle together with Dana (laughs) Ivy, the racist lady. And then we also have Cedric. Rob friggin' Schneider is here. I hate Rob Schneider. <laughs> He's a bad anti-vaxxer. Oh, <laughs> God. His daughter's hot. Got some great music. And, like, I can't believe Deuce Bigelow is here. I hate it. And then playing Mr. Duncan, we have Eddie Bracken. Eddie Bracken. He is an old television star. Uh-huh. He's been on things like Mary Tyler Moore, Murder, She Wrote. Like, he's the cute old man in a bow tie stereotype. Well, I find him simply delightful in this movie, so oh, I'm yeah. okay with it. I love Mr. Duncan. And then we have some cameos today. Uh, Rip Taylor, J.P. Morgan, Ali Sheedy. I love it. I absolutely love it. When I I never intellectualized this until this viewing. Oh, I know. That it was Ali Sheedy at the ticket desk. I, I know. I'm so happy about that. And of course, y- you opened the episode this way, <sighs> but we also have He Who Must Not Be Named. The former occupant of the White House. Who Chris Columbus said bullied his way onto this set. I am so sad that my boyfriend, Chris Columbus, was bullied to death by the late president. Was bullied to death? Yes. Oh my God, Because, like, I'm sorry. Why? I know. Ugh. 
Guys, we're gonna kind of gloss over some of these plot points because they are, in fact, the same plot yeah. points. So basically, all you need to know is that we, we are back on the north side of Chicago with the McAllister family in that insane house, which I bet is a tourist trap now. Yeah, it is the exact same opening as the first movie. We're all together. The house is crazy. They're trying to order pizza. You know, we're going away for vacation again for Christmas because the McAllisters just have indisposable income. I, like we said last time, obviously we think Peter has something to do with finance and Kate's a fashion designer. Yeah. I understand where Kate's work would be lucrative, but like for Peter to just be in finance, air quotes, <laughs> I'm like, what's going on, dude? All right, does anybody see my sunblock? What's the point of going to Florida if you're going to put on sunblock? I don't care if I age like an old suitcase. I'm getting toasted. Great. Now you can be a skag with a slightly darker shade of skin. He's just jealous because he can't tan. His freckles just connect. And this time, instead of going to Paris... <laughs> We're going to Florida. Miami. The state bird is a chicken finger. <laughs> Anything goes in Florida, the craziest state in the union. I love that episode of Big Mouth. You think Florida's crazy now? Think 92. Oh, God. Florida. No. 1992 in Miami, Florida. Oh, what a getaway. Absolutely not. <laughs> Once again, everybody's running around. Everybody's trying to get ready for this trip. And Kevin is, once again, dicking around and playing with a new toy. He's packed. <laughs> he is? Yeah, he's packed. He's just, he's just now, he's just in the way. Everything Kate put out for him. Yeah, he's sitting on Kate's bed and he's playing around with this new tape recorder that he's got. Yeah, and you guessed it, it will become integral to the plot. It will. Speaking of integral to the plot, um, I have Chekhov's inflatable clown. Oh my god. Oh, did you see what Grandma Penelope sent you for the trip? Um, let me guess. Donald Duck slippers? Aha, uh -huh. close. An inflatable clown to play with in the pool. How exciting. How exciting. That's exactly how I feel about it, too. <laughs> That thing is cursed. It's all, yeah, it's creepy looking. I don't like it. Like, what grandma picks that out and goes, you know what? I bet he's going to look so adorable playing around with this adult-sized inflatable clown in the pool. Oh, my God. Okay. So, you know, again, we have a lot of repeating story beats in this movie. I think number one we can say is them uh, knocking out their clocks again. Oh, my God. Peter goes to unplug a charger from the wall and unplugs, like, the whole extension. Yeah. And it unplugs the alarm clock. Do they just not check their clocks before they go to bed? I don't know, man. L like, come on. You think they would notice. Hey, Kevin, you better go put your tie on. We don't want to be late for the Christmas pageant. My tie's in the bathroom. I can't go in there, because Uncle Frank's taking a shower. He says if I walked in there and saw him naked, I'd grow up never feeling like a real man. Whatever that means. The other thing we have to do tonight is the McAllister family is attending a uh, recital like for a, the McAllister children. Like a Christmas pageant, yeah. something through church. They are singing in a choir, baby, and they look like they're from Chicago. They are... <laughs> The Irish Catholic white kids whose turn it is to sing in the recital. And, like, all the McAllister kids are up there. And, like, it, it's cute because Kevin has a solo. And, like, Frank is sleeping. I know. <laughs> Uncle Frank, again, is the friggin' worst. I hate him. He's the absolute worst. Said some ugly things last time, guys. Oh, yeah, and he'll say more ugly things this time. It gets around to Kevin's solo. And but they're all holding these candles in their hands, these fake candles in either hand. And Buzz thinks it'd be funny to light up Kevin's ears while he's singing his solo. Christmas time means laughter, to love and take the snow. <laughs> 
everyone starts losing it. And I'm like, this audience of people, come on. Is anyone an adult here? He gets done singing. And the kid behind him starts doing his solo. And he turns around just in time to see Buzz shrink away from him. Punches him right in the face. He just gives it to Buzz. He knocks the entire choir down like they're dominoes. And not only that, knocks over a set piece and it sends it into the piano player. (laughs) She falls backwards off the stage. Oh my God. (laughs) Kate's standing up. (laughs) Kevin! So, once again... I feel like I'm going to be saying that a lot this episode. Yeah. But once again, Kevin has made a bad situation worse. And so Buzz is Counselor Buzz. Counselor? Oh my God. He's saying saying sorry to everyone in this... He's such a little performer. I hate him. Oh no, yeah. I hate Buzz. He's giving this performative apology to the entire family in the family room. I'd also like to apologize to my brother. Kevin, I'm sorry. Oh, Buzz. That was very nice. Oh, my God! Like, his eyes are, like, empty. And then he's like, beat that, you little trout sniffer. And when Kate's like, Kevin, do you have something to say? And he's like, I'm not sorry. I did what I did because Buzz humiliated me. And since you all believe his lies, I let him have it. (laughs) I'm like, you know he said what he felt. And since you're also stupid to believe his lies, I don't care if your idiotic Florida trip gets wrecked or not. Who wants to spend Christmas in a tropical climate anyway? You'd better not wreck my trip, you little sourpuss. Your dad's paying good money for it. Oh, wouldn't want to spoil your fun, Mr. Cheapskate. Ah! <laughs> Kevin! Kevin! That's like, it's like, he called his mom a dummy. I know. He <laughs> called his uncle a cheapskate. I know. <laughs> And I was like, this is where I wrote, oh, no, we gonna make our family disappear again. Like, Kevin's a little bit older now, but, like, just a little bit. A yeah. year. He's grown <laughs> up a lot in the last year, I think. But he's still set in his opinions of this situation. I'm honestly on his side. I know. Like, they are they are dicks to him. They are. And then he wishes them away, and then they come back, and it just keeps happening. <laughs> It's a never-ending cycle. <laughs> he goes upstairs to the attic to get away from all them, and Kate comes up there, and she's like, you know, admittedly, this is exactly how it happened in the first movie. <laughs> yeah. You know, Kevin, last time we all tried to take a trip, we had a problem that started just like this. Yeah, with me getting crapped on. I don't care for your choice of words. And like, yeah, you're right. He, <laughs> Kevin, I hope so. Yeah, Kevin stands <laughs> up, and he's like, I wish I could go on vacation without you losers. And you know what? If I had my own money, I'd go on my own vacation, alone, without any of you guys, and I'd have the most fun of my whole life. Well, you got your wish last year. Maybe you'll get it again this year. I hope so. And I'm like, okay, here we go. So, guess who arrives on the dot, ready to go in the morning? <laughs> the airport shuttle. Yes. Just like last year. That I, You know, I'm not going to say that poor lawn jockey, but like... <laughs> They really can't keep that thing intact. It's a sign to, like, remove it from the lawn. You know, that should be the signal to them every year. If the lawn jockey is on the ground when they go out for their Christmas vacation, they're forgetting Kevin. Oh, my God. In some way. And you guessed it. Peter and Kate, wake up. We did it again! Ah! 
I love the breaking of the fourth wall there. And again, it is pandemonium here at 657 Lincoln Boulevard. But hey, this time we do successfully make it to the airport with Kevin. Yeah. When they get to the airport, Kevin, like, really wants his dad's bag so he can get batteries out of it. It is it is absolutely necessary that he puts new batteries in this, you know, tape thing. I guess. <laughs> Kevin, you gonna hold my bag? You gonna hold my bag? Let's go. And we are doing our run through Chicago air again. And, like, Kevin is lagging behind, and he's keeping his eyes, like, on his dad as he's going through the bag. Like when you're trying to text and drive? Yeah. Oh, God, no. <laughs> Not like, don't do that, anybody. <laughs> Oh, my God. Like, his dad is wearing this tan cashmere coat. And, like, Kevin stops. He reaches into the bag. He gets the batteries, puts them in the recorder. And then he looks up again. And this other guy... The backside of him looks exactly like Peter McAllister. Also wearing a tan cashmere coat. He starts following that guy who, you guessed it, is going to the New York gate. Yeah, he goes down the other end of the airport. The ticket lady at the Florida gate rushes Kate onto the plane. Like, Kate wants to make sure everybody gets on. And they're like, don't worry, we'll get everybody on, and they don't. And the ticket agent at the New York gate drops all the boarding passes when Kevin crashes into her at the door. I'm sorry. That's all right. Are you on this flight? Yeah, so is my family. They're already on the plane, and they don't want to be left behind. Do you have a boarding pass? It's somewhere. We have to close up here. They're ready to go. He dropped his boarding pass. This plane can't leave. This happened to be last year and almost wrecked me Christmas. Are you sure your family's on this flight? Yeah, my dad ran in here right before I bumped into this lady. And he points out the guy he thinks is his dad from behind. <laughs> go find an empty seat. Have a Merry Christmas. Wrong! wrong Oh, <laughs> <laughs> He just sits down in a seat by himself, and he's still got his dad's bag. <laughs> that guy that's sitting next to him. He goes, so, have you ever been to Florida? And he starts speaking French. <laughs> and he just turns to the camera. He Jim Halpert's us. And I'm like, that is kind of funny. And then, like, he puts on his headphones, right, and turns the music all the way up. He doesn't hear the flight attendants say they're going to New York City. And then the two planes taking off in opposite directions. I, I love that shot of the air traffic control radar. Those two planes just going opposite directions. And it's not until the McAllisters get to baggage claim in Florida that they realize they've lost Kevin. Do you love this bit? Here it is, the famous incident. Mr. Kevin. Mr. Kevin. Give this to Kevin. Give this to Kevin. Mr. Kevin. Mr. Kevin. Give this to Kevin. Here you go, Kevin. Just those two old people staring at him. <laughs> and he's like, hmm, Kevin's not here. Kevin's not here. Kevin's not here. I love it when it gets all the way back to Kate and she hands the bag to Peter. Kevin's not here. What? Kevin's not here. 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 What? Come on! <laughs> Poor Kate. <laughs> There's your Catherine O'Hara fainting shot. I love Kate. <laughs> so, Kevin is all alone in LaGuardia Airport. Instead of looking around his empty house for his family, he's now looking around an empty terminal for his family. And he goes up to this desk and he asks Ali Sheedy, the ticket clerk, what city he's in. Yes, sir? What city is that over there? That's New York, sir. Yikes, I did it again. 
something wrong, sir? You should have asked more questions. <laughs> oh, no. here it is. <laughs> oh, no. My family's in Florida. I'm in New York. <laughs> oh, my God. My it's the same line. In Florida. I'm in New York. Get the whole New York montage, baby. He goes hog wild with dad's credit card. He takes a taxi from LaGuardia to Manhattan. We're in Chinatown buying fireworks. (laughs) At Christmas time. (laughs) We're going to Central Park. We are on top of the Twin Towers. Yeah, I I love the shot when he's on top of the Twin Towers. He's taking a picture from the top of it. He's like, wow. From the top of the Twin Towers, you can see the curvature of the Earth. That's so wild. Isn't it wild? That's absolutely wild. Oh, jeez. Oh, back at uh, Miami International Airport, we're with security. Yeah, we're filing a missing persons <laughs> report with the airport cops. And Ross, I just... How do you explain your I, complete I, lack of McReadiness? Totally mortified. <laughs> I would be totally mortified. You think but they- no, they're. I feel like they're just kind of in such shock at themselves. Yeah. Like, how could we be this irresponsible? That they're just kind of locked up and nervous. and Like, they, they're going to take this kid away from us. I swear to God. Like, we've left him behind twice now to go on vacation. <laughs> and they're like, you know, where's where'd you last see him? And you know, he's like, has he ever run away from home? Has he ever been in a situation where he's been on his own? And the way they shake their heads. No, no, no. Kate is shaking her head. <laughs> Peter's like, looking at her like, um, um, honey. We need to tell him about the incident. <laughs> She's like, you know, this has happened before. As a matter of fact, this has happened before. It's becoming sort of a McAllister family travel tradition. Funnily enough, we never lose our luggage. Snickering and the knocking on wood. Oh my god! I'm like, come on! And he's like, do you have a recent photo of him? And Peter's like, I have one in my wallet. But he realizes he does not have his wallet. Kevin has his wallet. Kevin had his bag at the airport. Yes. Did you have credit cards in the wallet? Credit cards, money. We'll notify the credit card companies immediately. If your son has the cards, we can get a location on him when and if he uses them. No, I don't think Kevin even knows how to use a credit card. Cut to Kevin. Checking in to the Plaza Hotel. All of the decadence of the Plaza Hotel. Like, this is a hotel that opened at the beginning of the century. And, yeah. like, it is Trey Gallant. You have to make more money than several third world countries to afford to stay here. <laughs> I think that's a little bit of an over-exaggeration, but I know what you mean. Like, it's just, like, insanity. You know what? I looked up I looked up how much it is a night at the Plaza Hotel today. Uh-huh. It's upwards of, you know, for, like, a minor room, $700 a night. Wow. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. Um. <laughs> and then, you know, he's walking through the hallways and there it is. <laughs> the rotting orange peel that got 
70,000 votes in the last election. You gave me a wonderful piece of trivia the other day. You said that Macaulay Culkin has petitioned to have him digitally removed from this movie. Yeah, the idea was to have... Macaulay Culkin be an older version of himself and edit it into the movie. And it's just all a private joke between all of us yes, as yes. a culture. <laughs> God. Excuse me, where's the lobby? All the while being eyed by Tim Scurry. Mm. Yes. Mr. Hector. Like, the staff is suspicious of him immediately. He's a child alone trying to check into the Plaza Hotel. He's a 10-year-old. I know. <laughs> and, like, I just, I don't understand how this went so well, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. Because he's a smooth talker, that Kevin McAllister. He's like, listen. I'm traveling with my dad. He's on business. He's at a meeting. I hate meetings. Plus, I'm not allowed to go in. I can only sit in the lobby. That's boring. So my dad dropped me off here. Gave me his credit card. And said whoever was checking people in to let me in the hotel room. Yeah, and he's, like, made a reservation for himself. Oh, my God, when he records, when he records himself on that tape recorder and slows it down to make him sound more like a man. Yeah, but, like, it just sounds like one of those scary warped voices on Unsolved Mysteries. And makes the reservation over the phone. (laughs) And that dumb woman believes all of it. I know! How does he have a talent for timing things out so perfectly? He's It's a movie. I know that. (laughs) But... And so, yeah, Dana Ivy, the desk clerk, gets him checked in and everything. It it just kind of happens. Her sliding the credit card. Cedric. Yes? Don't count your tips in public. And find out everything you can about that young fellow. Mr. Hector cannot stand the thought of this child checking into the Plaza Hotel by himself, and he's like, listen, bellhop, Rob Schneider, I want you to watch him like a hawk. And he's like, okay. Bellhop Rob Schneider takes him up to one of their finest suites. Oh my god. (laughs) You know, Herbert Hoover once stayed here on this floor. (laughs) The vacuum guy? No, No, the uh, president. I hate Rob Schneider. (laughs) And, you know, it is a huge king-size bed, all for Kevin. He's got a cabinet stocked full of snacks. Oh, my God. He's got access to room service, a pool. The big bathtub. I know. Carrie. (laughs) I have dreams about that bathroom. I know. Oh, I want a big jet tub someday. Anyway, we're ordering room service. We're making pigs of ourselves. And we're watching the sequel to uh, Angels with Filthy Souls entitled Angels Angels with with Even even Filthier filthier Souls. (laughs) And just like, oh my God, he is living the dream. The same exact thing happens in the sequel. Oh yeah. Johnny the wise guy is back. And instead of blowing away another wise guy he's blowing away some dame he thinks is two timing him i'm gonna give you to the count of three to get your lousy lying low down four flushing carcass out my door she's rampant one two honestly traumatic for me i, was, I, wait, I remember i remember thinking when i was watching that as a kid like he shot a lady. Yeah, what like, not? What the absolute hell? What the fuck? And the cadence of the line is the exact same. Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. And a happy new year. That guy's serving him all of his room service. Oh my He's God. ordered half the dessert menu. I know. Two scoops, sir. Two, make it three. I'm not driving. <laughs> 
little shit. This little oh, shit is God. living the lap of luxury. One thing we didn't mention was before they left that shot of the newspaper clipping blowing against the McAllister's door that say, wet bandits have escaped during a prison riot. Oh my God. Okay. So you guys guessed it. Of course, Harry and Marv are here. Of course they are. They have also gotten to New York. Like you just said, they escaped from prison. And came in a fish truck. Yeah, they're in the back of this refrigerated fish truck and they open the back of it. Here we are, Marv. New York City, the land of opportunity. Smell that? Yeah. You know what that is? Fish. It's freedom. No, it's fish. I am so excited that the Joe Pesci, Daniel Stern shtick is back. (laughs) I really am. I know. (laughs) I mean, that's what everybody else is here for as well, right? Yes. And like... They are out, they are about, they are just going to make one more quick score so that they can leave the country and go somewhere without an extradition treaty with the United States. And you know, they've changed their names too. Yeah, oh my God. They're no longer the wet bandits. They're the sticky bandits. Marv! Marv made this creative decision because he all he's done is taped his entire hand and is sticking it into buckets of money that Salvation Army Santas are holding out. Which, like, Salvation Army, whatever. Yeah. But stealing from charity... Like, come on. God, it's awful. And of course, they are going to, like, cross paths with Kevin at some point. (laughs) Passing him in the intersection. Yeah, there's a scene where they literally (laughs) pass each other in the intersection. They bump shoulders. Remember earlier when Dana Ivey said that his father would need to come sign some things? Yeah. When he gets back? He never did that. There's no father. Yeah, no. (laughs) And so Tim Curry decides that he's going to snoop through the suite. He goes up, knocks on the door, and Kevin turns off the TV, runs into the bathroom, and shuts the door. It's time for another good old fake out. (sighs) Yeah. This this is the most unbelievable fake out he could have come up with. I know. He only had so much to work with, I guess. Tim lets himself in. And Kevin starts the shower, and Tim goes to the bathroom door, and he hears the shower going, and Kevin is on his little recorder thing, playing a tape that he caught of Uncle Frank singing in the shower. I don't know what this song is. I don't need to know. He's blown up the toy clown, the inflatable pool clown, and has set it in the tub and is using strings like a puppet to make it look like it's dancing with its arms going up and down. This also happened in the last movie. I... I... (laughs) And the fact that Mr. Hector believes it. I know. It is quite obviously not a human being. Get out of here, you nosy little pervert, or I'm going to slap you silly. (laughs) Tim is booking it out of there. Get out of here, you nosy little pervert. I'm going to slap you silly. Meanwhile, cut to Florida. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Welcome to the Villa de Dolphine. And the red sign under it that says adult films rate per hour. Oh, no. And like, just the, I love the shot of them driving by that sad looking motel. 
They've all got their faces pressed up against the window. They are clutching their Chicago Northside pearls. Because Frank has obviously been in charge of the lodgings. It's not Didn't look this bad on our honeymoon. Oh my god! <laughs> of course, Frank took Leslie to Villa de Delphine. Oh, gross. <laughs> so, the next morning, Kevin arranges for a stretch limo and a large cheese pizza to come pick him up for a sightseeing tour. John Mulaney has a bit about this, but like, I know. I identify with it so much. I'm like, Kevin is living the life right now. No, this is the lap of luxury. He is stealing all his dad's money, but like, <laughs> that limousine is beautiful. I know. He's watching The Grinch on this teeny tiny little television. Drinking Coca-Cola out of a wine glass and eating <laughs> cheese pizza on his way to one of the greatest toy stores in Manhattan, Duncan's Toy Chest. I think this is supposed to be a playoff of FAO Schwartz. Oh yeah? Yeah. Would what you- about Herpelsheimers? <laughs> Yes, that as well. <laughs> From Polar Express. Yes, two stores that are famous for their out-of-this-world Christmas decorations <laughs> at the holidays. This place is like a... This, this... I don't have words. This is out of another time to me. It's like this this store was hand-selected from some 1940s Christmas movie and put into this movie. Here we are, sir. Duncan's Boy Jess. Merry Christmas, Kevin. They have got everything, man. They've got ridiculous shit that no parent would ever allow their child to construct in their house. Like all the little towns, Ross. Oh, you know that's my... Oh, you know that's my bag. You know what? You and I should go to Cynthia's Hallmark sometime soon. I know. Just to look at all the little, you know, houses and stuff. I love that shit. Because, like, Mom would take us in there to, like, look at Precious Moments or buy Hallmark cards. Or candles and it was not my bag. I know. And you would go straight to the room where they kept, like, the little town sets. Yeah, that was my shit, dude. Especially around the holidays. Of course, we shortly learn that this is also the same toy store that Harry and Marv are planning on robbing for their one big score, right? <laughs> that whole scene where they're skating and Harry's got a whole plan b- backed up by economics. Oh, yeah. <laughs> His stupid theory is that people aren't going to be making bank runs on Christmas Eve, right? Yeah. They're going to leave it all in the stores. Indeed. The only stores that are going to have cash on it are ones that deal in moderate price goods. Right, right. Ergo, what store is going to make the most cash on Christmas Eve that nobody's going to think to rob? Candy stores. Nine-year-olds rob candy stores, Mom. So that's why he thinks that going to break into this super fancy toy store is going to be a big haul. And you know what? He's not entirely wrong. Yeah. Because we cut back to Kevin in the toy store taking his selections up to the counter. And this cute little old man is behind the counter. Mm -hmm. Kevin starts playing upstanding citizen with him. Mr. Duncan must be a pretty nice guy, letting all the kids come into his store and play with all his toys. Most toy stores prohibit that, you know? Of course that's so. Yep. Well, he loves kids. As a matter of fact, all the money the store takes in today 
Mr. Duncan is donating it to the children's hospital. And he points to this, like, chest over behind the counter that's full of money. Uh-huh. And he's like, do you see that? He's going to donate it to the children's hospital. To St. Anne's. Yeah. Isn't that lovely? I know. It's so wonderful. And, like, I love Kevin. Kevin gives him $20. That's right. And he's like, I'll use the money that I got from shoveling snow to pay my mom back. And I'm like, Kevin, you're a devious little shit sometimes. But you're a good boy. He is a good boy. You know? And, like, the clerk is so touched by his his act of generosity that he gives him these uh, little turtle dove ornaments uh-huh. as a gift. He's like, now tell you what you do. You keep one, and you give the other one to a very special person. You see, turtle doves are a symbol of friendship and love. Now, as long as each of you have your turtle dove, you'll be friends forever. Isn't that just touching? Yeah, that's like something that is unique to this movie Mm -hmm. that I find very dear. Because I got to be honest, I do a lot of eye rolling through this movie. Of course. And I'm typing, we did this already. (laughs) But like the whole aspect of the toy store and the act of charity and generosity, like I feel like that's more underpinned in this movie Mm -hmm. versus the old one. Indeed. So it's just something that's verifiably different. Because, you know, we are in David Dinkins, New York. It's not going super hot. No. You know? Like, Dinkins was a cool dude, but, like, again, yeah, New York in the early 90s. Not always the best for everybody involved. Yeah, and it still isn't. And on his way out of the toy store, Kevin passes a portrait of the owner, Mr. Duncan. And he's like... Huh. That looks like the same guy that just gave me these turtle doves. What do you know? And then he's gone? Uh, yeah, like he Batmaned away. Is, uh, you know you know how at the end of the last one I postulated that Mr. Marley was Kevin's guardian angel? Uh-huh. I think he's got a couple here in New York City. Yeah. I think Mr. Duncan's one of them. Yeah. Uh-huh. He's just got that dear, magical man energy. Harry and Marv come out of the toy store for a minute, and they see Kevin standing on the sidewalk all alone. Yeah, when they come out of the toy store? Oh, my God. Like, they've been casing the joint all afternoon, and, like, they're going to go get a bite to eat, and they come out, and Kevin's standing right there. And, you know, Harry just happens to notice on his backpack, Kay McAllister. Oh, my God. The way his eyes light up. This is why you shouldn't personalize your children's belongings. And Kevin does what he's supposed to do. He screams like he's on fire. That's his aftershave scream. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) And the the way everyone in the street just kind of (laughs) stops. And he does what he's supposed to do. He runs away. And, like, they're chasing him down the New York streets. And I'm like, is no one seeing this kid being chased by two full-grown men? In very Kevin McAllister fashion, buys all those pearls and then breaks them free so they will slip and fall down. (laughs) (laughs) Already with the cartoonish stunts. They've been here five minutes. (laughs) 
And it's like, God, you know what? It just, they couldn't get stupider. That's the thing that's just extra funny to me is that we have a lot of the same crap going on this time around. Indeed. And they have not learned a little bit even. No. About what this kid is capable of. They are eternal idiots. But like, they are just so blind with murderous rage. They they don't even want to write it off as a loss. He's running up the steps to the plaza, and Tim Curry is waiting for him because while Kevin was gone, he ran the machine. He ran Kevin's dad's card through the machine, and it was flagged as stolen. Because Kate and Pete closed it out. (laughs) (laughs) That whole sequence with it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas, where he goes. And gets the big Grinch grin, and the the machine says, stolen. And, like, so he's just been waiting here all day. He's like, you gotta help me. There's two guys after me. What's the matter? Store wouldn't take your stolen credit card. Let's see what the police have to say about this. Nigel Thornberry also. Uh, Oh, yeah, I know, right? (laughs) I completely forgot about that. Every time he goes, stolen credit card. I'm like, Nigel? It's Nigel, right? (laughs) (laughs) So now poor Kevin is running both from the burglars and from the hotel staff. He beats the staff up to the room in the elevator. And he throws angels with even filthier souls tape into the VCR. And is once again faking out the staff. Yeah, this is a repeat of the uh, the pizza guy gag from the first movie. And you know, it goes just as beautifully as it does every time. <laughs> you was here last night too, wasn't you? Yes, sir. <coughs> I was. You was here. And you were smooching with my brother. <laughs> I'm afraid you're mistaken, sir. Tough guy and the dame were saying a bunch of sweet things to each other beforehand, right? Yeah. And he's accusing her of cheating on him. Uh Uh-huh. But now it's, you know, (laughs) supposedly Mr. Peter McAllister accusing Mr. Hector of kissing every man in the hotel. Don't give me that. You've been spooching with everybody. Snuffy, Al, Leo, little mole with the gimpy leg, cheeks, bony bob, Cliff. The security guard's name is Cliff. Cheeks, Bony Bob, Cliff. <gasps> the way the that, gasp. That way that old man gasps. No, it's a lie. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> Why don't you get down on your knees and tell me you love me? Yeah, Kevin fast forwards it to the park. <laughs> where he pulls out the gun. (laughs) And they think he has a gun. And so there's not even a question. On your knees. This is amazing. This makes me bust. I love you. The way Kevin giggles. You gotta do better than that. I love you. I love you. (laughs) That's why I'm going to let you go. I'm going to give you to the counter tree to get your lousy, lion, low-down, floor-fushing carcass out my door. One, two... (laughs) 
them diving into the hallway as the gun starts going. How can TV volume be so loud? People in the uh, people in the other room start poking out. Oh, I know, right? And like they're all on their hands and knees. Like everybody, stay in your rooms. <laughs> Kevin Kevin goes down the back way, and they're like, "This is an emergency. There's an insane guest with a gun." <laughs> And it's when not he, funny, but it's funny. Kevin runs out onto the loading dock, and you know, with that music ramping up, and he jumps off the loading dock, and Harry and Marv are standing right there. And Harry has his open hand out with the McAllister M from his doorknob. Branded into his hand from last Christmas. Oh my god! <laughs> Round trip to Miami. What's the matter, get on the wrong plane, Squirt? Looks like you won't be needing this, kid. American don't fly to the promised land, little buddy. Come on. So, they've got Kevin in their uh, custody, and their new plan is to murder him. Yep, that's put, that. That's the new plan. Put him on ice somewhere and uh, get out. And, you know, but, you know, they're idiots forever. So they are divulging to him his entire plan. And guess what Kevin's got going on in his pocket? He's recording. He's with that little tape recorder. He has everything they've said. And, yeah, Marv is monologuing. We're busted out of the clink and we're doing fine. We're going to be doing even better because we're not robbing houses anymore. <laughs> now we're robbing toy stores. At midnight tonight, we're hitting Duncan's toy chest. Five floors of cash. Then after that, we grab a couple of phony passports, Ma! then it's off to Rio. Ma, huh? you want to shut up? We come up again behind that pretty model lady at an intersection. <laughs> the one that struck Marv before. They both got a hand on him, so Kevin reaches out and pinches that model on the ass. Yeah, yeah, he does. That model turns around, sees Marv from earlier. <laughs> well, hello. Oh! He did it! Did what? Thanks. Listen, honey, I know you've had a tough day, but you really should have asked that kid where his parents were. Time to talk about Uncle Rob's walk-up. So he's got, in the West 50s, remember Uncle Rob? The one who invited them to Paris in the first film? Yeah, they've got a brownstone in, like, what, the East... 50s? I don't know, Manhattan. Where's the McAllister money coming from? I don't know, man. That's what I want to know. You got homes in Paris and NYC? But Kevin sees in his dad's address book that Uncle Rob's walk-up is not super far from where he is. Yeah, it's like on the west side of Central Park. It's on the Upper West Side. And he goes there, and it does not look like anyone's living there, does it? No, because they still live in Paris. They are renovating that home. Yeah, it's completely empty, locked up tight. and It's busted up inside. Yeah, it's tore up inside. And you guessed it. This is where the bulk of the shenanigans are going to take place for the rest of the movie. <laughs> this will become the base for operations. Ho, ho, ho. I know. <laughs> Back at Villa de Dauphine. Yeah, in Florida, the whole family is watching It's a Wonderful Life in Spanish. Mm-hmm. It's raining. It's terrible vacation weather. They're all crammed together in that hotel room. Like, like... all 14 of them. <laughs> and the phone rings, and it's the cops. Hello. This is she. Oh, my God. What? It's the police. They know where Kevin is. What? Where? He's in New York. New York? New York Well, I'm sure he was scared. He's not a troublemaker. What? What? Would you hold? Just a second, please hold. Please use your credit card to check into the Plaza Hotel. And they're like, oh, but guess what? He also ran away. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> they still, they don't have him. 
at the plaza. So you're, we found your kid. He's in New York City, but Psych didn't find your kid. Oh. He's lost in New York. And so the entire family is getting back on a plane. <laughs> I love it when she's like, we're going to New York. Move it. We're going to New York. Move it. They are ecstatic. You want to know why? It's for a selfish reason. Yeah. They will no longer be in Villa de Del Dauphine or whatever. <laughs> Just crammed in that horrible hotel room. They will no longer be in Miami. And so now Kevin is walking the streets of New York alone by himself at night near Central Park, one of the most dangerous places to be at at night. And we get this pageant of New York stereotypes. Oh, yes, yes, the sex workers and the <laughs> the peddler and the, the cab driver. Oh, God. And then, you know, Kevin goes running into Central Park all by himself. Oh, boy. This is where we have to talk about the pigeon lady. <laughs> the Central Park pigeon predator? Yeah, no! Oh, I'm uh... kidding. She's not a predator of any type, guys. Neither was the South Bend shovel slayer. <laughs> They are just good people trying to survive. So th- this woman, I we never do get her name, do we? Nope, she's just the pigeon lady. The pigeon lady. She looks like someone plucked her out of a portrait from 1885. A little bit. Like, like she does not, like obviously she is homeless. She is, ho- she is houseless. She has taken to just feeding the birds in Central Park. Very much like the bird lady from Mary Poppins. Yeah. And she is covered in dirt and in poop, and is dressed in rags, and he finds her a little bit scurry. Yeah, he's like, he's like just crouched trying to hide from her, and she like pops out over that rock. Yeah. (laughs) And he like gets his foot stuck in the rocks. Yeah. And she's getting closer to him and closer to him. she just bends down and pulls his foot free from the rocks. He runs away screaming and halfway down the lane is like, huh? And like turns around and she's just standing there because she doesn't want to hurt him. Yeah, she's just trying to help him get free. He he limps back to her and goes, I'm sorry I was an asshole just now. I'm Kevin McAllister. Your birds are real nice. I've seen you before. You have pigeons all over you. At first, you look kind of scary. But when I think about it, it's not so bad. They must be all over you because they like you. If I'm bothering you, I can leave. Am I bothering you? No. And they just kind of have an evening together, don't they? Yeah, Kevin buys her a hot chocolate, and she takes him to one of the places that she goes to get warm sometimes. And it just happens to be... In the cloud of the symphony? Yeah, the New York Symphony? Yeah. She hangs out here a lot. Like, I don't think she lives here, but... Obviously, she comes here to get out of the snow sometimes. Like, the birds follow her up here. And, you know, he's like, you know, do you bring your friends up here? She's like, I haven't got any friends. And she's like, you know, you're probably the first person I've spoken to in a couple of years. I'm like the birds I care for. People pass me in the street. They see me, but they try to ignore me. 
They prefer I wasn't part of their city. Yeah, it's sort of like that with my family. I'm kind of the pigeon of the house, just because I'm the youngest. Everyone fights for position. Everybody wants to be seen and heard. She must be from another time. <laughs> like because a time traveler? Like, I, like, like uh, yeah, maybe she's Gallifreyan or whatever they're called from Doctor Who because I don't, I don't get it, man. You know, she, when she talks about how, like, you know, she used to be married, but that ended badly and she lost everybody in her life and her home and... And whenever the chance to be loved came along again, I ran away from it. I stopped trusting people. No offense. That seems like sort of a dumb thing to do. I was afraid of getting my heart broken again. You see, sometimes you can trust a person, and then when things are down, they forget about you. She's afraid to try again, because she's afraid she'll just get her heart broken again, and I'm like, wow. Huh. Yeah. Don't let that become you this holiday season. <laughs> like, again, we have another conversation where this poor adult is trying to explain to Kevin the complexities of being an adult. And, like, things, like, sometimes we make things too complicated, us adults. Yeah. And, like, he just has such a simple way of looking at it. He is very adult. We talked about this last time. If you aren't going to use your heart, then what's the difference if it gets broken? If you just keep it to yourself, maybe it'll be like my rollerblades. When you do decide to try it, it won't be any good. You should take a chance. Got nothing to lose. But a truth in there somewhere. I think so. Your heart might still be broken, but it isn't gone. If it was gone, you wouldn't be this nice. Thank you. And, like, Kevin's just trying to impart on her not to let that fear of getting her heart broken again stop her from being part of the world. In both films, he's telling us, if you stop trying, nothing's ever going to get better. And I'm like... Kevin, thank you. Yeah. You know what I mean? He does have a point there, but I think the fact that she's houseless, like, kind of makes it more complicated than that. Uh Because, like, there's obviously some socioeconomic factors in play here. She's an unhoused individual. like, And, like, if he really wanted to help her, he'd give her all the cash left. That he has? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so he's on his way out of of the symphony, and he looks at her and says, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. If you need somebody to trust, it can be me. I won't forget to remember you. Don't make promises you can't keep. <laughs> but you know what cuts through me like a knife through butter? What? Don't make promises you can't keep. Oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, pigeon lady. I want to give her a name. I know. We could just call her Brenda. Brenda? Like Brenda the lady that plays her? I would like to think that that's her actual name. <laughs> All right. Brenda. Brenda the pigeon lady. Brenda from 1885. <laughs> <laughs> We get that track again. That starlight shine bright. Because he's outside St. Anne's. Yeah, he's walking past the children's hospital. And that kid in the window waves to him. He's like, wow, shit, that place is full of kids that don't have homes. Yeah. Like me right now. (laughs) And he remembers all of the charity money that's supposed to go to them. All the money in the cash register, Mr. Duncan is going to donate to the children's hospital. At midnight tonight, we're hitting Duncan's toy chest. You can mess with a lot of things, but you can't mess with kids on Christmas. Resolves 
resolves to put his ingenuitive brain to work again to foil their plan. I really think that he might have gone into this one saying, I'm going to kill them this time. <laughs> you know what I mean? You think death is on the line? <laughs> like, it has to be. It doesn't end up being. But why not? How dead these men should already be. Oh, I know. The stunts are more intense this time. Uh And it's even more ludicrous that they haven't died yet. We're slicking down the floors in Rob's brownstone. We're slicking down the ladders on the fire escape. We're making sure that there's false flooring. Yep. We're (laughs) pouring flammable liquid into a toilet. We are, of course, rubbing slime on all ledges outside of the building. It's so dangerous for him to be in there like that. Soaking the rope in kerosene. Oh, God. And, like, meanwhile, at the Plaza Hotel, the staff are kissing the McAllister's behinds because they've landed in New York. What kind of hotel allows a child to check in alone? The boy had a very convincing story. What kind of idiots do you have working here? The finest in New York. They're right. The McAllister's are right. These people allowed this child to charm them so deeply (laughs) that they allowed for some very inappropriate activity to take place. He is a very charming little boy. Yeah, he's a little adult. Talking his way away from the cashier in the first one. Yeah. That's what he did to these people. I mean, kind of. You're kind of right. That old Uncle Buck treatment? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And so... Peter says, all right, the cops are going to start looking for him. We're, you take the kids up to the suite, and I'm going to go look for him. And Kate's like, like, hell, you're leaving me here. I don't think it's a good idea for you to start running around all over New York City all by yourself. I think if our son can do it, I can do it. Kate, Peter, I'll be fine. The way I'm feeling right now, no mugger or murderer would dare mess with me. Madam, there are hundreds of parasites out there armed to the teeth. She cracks him across the face, and I laugh every time. Do bundle up. It's awfully cold outside. What is it that Kate says? The mood I'm in right now, no mugger or murderer would dare mess with me. Mama Bear, you go. You find that kid. I know. I love Kate. I can't believe I haven't mentioned this till now. I'm loving Kate's haircut. Oh, I know. In this one. She's got a short little bob this time. It's, you know, little, it's, everybody was going very Princess Diana. Yeah. In the early 90s. Very Videl Sassoon. It's separated Diana look with the very short hair. Ah! And I'm like, yes, let's go. Yes, Kate. You throw off that dirty monarchy. Kevin takes himself down to the Duncan's toy store with some goodies, and Harry and Marv are already inside. They camped out inside some little uh, play place houses until closing. And so they're locked in there with all of the money, and they go out, they go straight to the cash register, they crack open both the cash register and the children's fund, Yeah, and just start putting all the cash in bags. And I'm like, this is just so evil. You're stealing from sick children. Yeah, come on. They have no humanity within them. They were going to murder a child today. Yeah, I know. They were going to straight up murder a child. And like Kevin is sitting outside Duncan's and he's got his, (laughs) he set up a trash can on its side with like a board laying across it. And he's staring in the window at them, tapping on the glass, waving at them. And taking pictures of them. Oh my God. With their hands on the money. Yeah. He's back. How did my hair look? He holds up that rock or that brick or whatever. Yeah, he's going to throw a brick through the front window of the toy store and trigger the alarm. (laughs) The noises. This is the beginning of the noises. This is it. 
No turning back. Another Christmas in the trenches. Oh, this is where the stunt starts. Yeah. Are you ready? Yes, I am. Because Harry and Marv start chasing him. Harry jumps out through the window first and lands on one side of that board. And then here comes Marv. And Harry knows exactly what's going to happen. He's like, Marv, no! Jumps on the other side of that board, propels Harry, sends him flying. Once again, we're going to fixate on the property damage. The the damage that Harry's flying body does to a vehicle parked on the curb? He should be deceased. <laughs> he destroys the cab of that car with his body. I know. It's ridiculous. So we chase Kevin all the way back up to the Upper West Side. Kevin climbs back in through that chute. Yeah, that, that garbage chute. Yeah. And he gets onto the roof. And Harry and Marv catch up to the walk-up, and they know, they know he's probably got a lot of surprises waiting for them inside. Uh Uh-huh. So Harry tries to bargain first. You throw down your camera, and we won't hurt you. You'll never hear from us again. Okay? You promise? I cross my heart and hope to die. Okay. (laughs) So Kevin leans over and acts like he's going to drop down the camera, and he drops a brick instead. He throws a brick instead. (laughs) He does. He does throw it, and he beans Marv in the head with it. Poor Marv. Oh, no. Marv takes a beating in this movie. He does. He definitely gets the brunt of the violence. Okay, kid. You want to throw bricks? Go ahead. Throw another one. If you can't do any better than that, kid, you're gonna lose! Kevin throws three bricks, all hitting Marv in the head. Yeah. Like, he is concussed. (laughs) You got any more? (laughs) Marv's begging him not to. And then we are doing the exact same second act again. Yeah. That's it. You go around front, I'm going around the basement. Yeah. (laughs) Harry goes around through the alley to try and break in through the back while Marv tries the front door. Oh my God. I know you love this. Marv is trying the front door. And what Kevin has done is he has jimmied up a staple gun to the door. So when Marv pulls the doorknob, it comes out on a string. Yeah. And he's pulling it and pulling it and pulling it until there's tension. And he's yanking it and yanking it, trying to open the door. And that staple gun shoots right through the door and into his ass. (laughs) It's so great. The noise he makes. And like he turns around and he pulls on it again. And it fires into his dick. He falls to his knees, and then it fires one into his nose. <laughs> oh! And just the way he falls back, I, lifeless. I do like the staple gun. I really do like the staple gun. I feel like you'd have to die of shock. I know! Like, come on. 
And like, of course, Harry's not having better luck in the back. He tries to jump and catch the fire escape ladder, which Kevin has slimed the bottom rung of. And yeah, he just slides, he just swings forward like a monkey and back onto his back. <laughs> anyway, Marv busts open the front door. And he goes, I, this is great. Harry, I've reached the top. Kevin's removed the floorboards. <laughs> I've reached the top. <laughs> Straight down. He face plants two stories down. He really does get the brunt of all of this, doesn't he? Yeah, like he should be D.E.D. dead. I bet this had everything to do with Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern's negotiations for this. <laughs> I bet Joe Pesci was like, listen, I already did a film like this. I didn't have too much fun doing. <laughs> so you know what? Let him take the brunt of it this time. Oh, my God. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because then, you know, Harry scrambles up the stairs. And, like, I love how he taps all the doorknobs to yeah. see if they're hot. <laughs> he goes through that back door. And, of course, there's a string tied to the door. And, of course, there's a whole full tool tool bag <laughs> hung above the doorway. You gotta do better than this, kid. <laughs> They are concussed people. I don't understand how they're still moving around and not, like, completely passed out. Like, I I feel like you just wouldn't be able to have the energy to go on. No, I know. He's not worth it, guys. He's really not. I mean, yes, he does have evidence of them committing a crime. But, like, it's just, it's not worth this. It's so not. It's not worth being humiliated this way. So now Marv is on the lower level. Like, right after he's fallen through, he stands up. I love this. Wow. What a hole. He's trying to find a way to get back up to the main level. And the only way back up is this rope that's like dangling down in there. And, you know, he tries it. He knows now. (laughs) He tries it. It, It's got tension to it. It's not coming down with anything heavy at the end of it. Just wait. (laughs) It's tied to a bag of construction something like concrete mix or something like that yeah like 100 pounds so obviously it's very heavy and then he puts his whole weight into it jumps up on that rope and drags it through the edge of the hole (laughs) and of course here it comes just like the iron in the first one only this time it's a hundred pound bag of concrete mix Uh oh. hundred pounds hitting you in the face you've got to be kidding me meanwhile Harry is trying all the light switches, but he's like, he knows this has happened to Marv, so he's pulling them and stepping away real quickly <laughs> to see if anything heavy's gonna come down. I, I mean, at least he's learned something, right? And like, oh my god. He goes into the bathroom and pulls that one light switch. Ross's favorite stunt is back. And it lights his hat on fire. It's the blowtorch gag again. I just wish he would have made the noise again. I know, it's not quite the same. And like, he's wandering around and he's like, Hmm. Hmm. Feels warm. And looks in the mirror and sees his whole head on fire. I do love these noises. He sees a toilet bowl full of water. Uh huh. Air quote water. Kevin has filled it with kerosene. And like he flips his whole body upside down and lowers the top of his head into this toilet bowl and bam! <laughs> 
looks like a spent firecracker. Pulling his head out of the toilet bowl, teeth clenched. Oh my god. He's all black. <laughs> Can we talk about my favorite Marv stunt? Oh my god, Marv. Marv is still down in the basement. He goes over to the slop sink to wash himself off. What Kevin has done is hooked jumper cables up to the back of the sink. <laughs> to the handles. He's literally right around the corner, and right before he turns on, right before he goes to touch the taps, he turns that machine on. (laughs) And now they're electrically charged. And Marv gets electrocuted somehow not to death. This is going to be a great piece of audio. Daniel Stern screaming is amazing. Like he's turning into a skeleton (laughs) between flashes. (laughs) And then when he finally lets go of it. (laughs) I love it. I absolutely love it. When he's crawling into the hallway shaking. Oh my god. And so Harry and Marv both end up back on the ground level together. (laughs) And you guessed it, guys. The paint can gag is back. (laughs) When they are trying to fake him out. Yeah, because they are anticipating the paint cans, right? He's like, you know, do you remember what happened last year? And so he sends down one paint can. And Harry's like, oh, he got me, Marv! Like... (laughs) And then, like, Marv pretends to get hit with one. And they're like, okay, that's two cans. He's out of cans, So they start going up. No. (laughs) Tell me what Kevin has, Roz. What is this thing anyway? I think it just looks like a big iron pipe. Fine. Big iron pipe. (laughs) Tied to two ropes that he then sends down at both of them. (laughs) Oops. They get knocked backwards down the staircase right into that hole just inside the front door, and they are both back in the basement. (laughs) And then Kevin does the best thing and cuts the iron pipe loose. The the two dings that is going down the stairs, the da, 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 and then like the shot of it going through the hole down towards them. No. (laughs) That's... Four. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Oh my god. That's how you repeat a gag. Kevin leads them all the way up to the roof of the brownstone, right? Yes. And he throws this rope tied to a pipe. Soaked o- in kerosene. Yeah, over the edge, and he just shimmies down the front of the building. What a brave child. Here again, we have rope stunts. Yeah, I know. What Remember the hell? The, the uh, what do they call it? The zip line between the, the house and the treehouse? Yeah, and the jockey swings from the house to the treehouse. Yeah. Yeah. So they decide the only way to get at him is to also... Go down this rope. Because this worked so well the last time, I guess we're not remembering what happened last year this time. (laughs) We did last time, but not this time. No, 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 no. And so, yeah, they get about a quarter of the way down that rope. Harry? You wearing aftershave? That's not aftershave, that's kerosene. The rope is soaked in it. Now, why would anybody soak a rope in kerosene? Kevin strikes a match and lights the bottom of that rope. Merry Christmas. Go up! 
go up! <laughs> oh my and god. And here we go. Go back! <laughs> I love that. It's the same line! And you know, Kevin hits the road, and the fire creeps all the way up to where they are, and they just have to let go. <laughs> the noises! <laughs> And they get covered in varnish. The, the, the cans of varnish that rain down on them? How gross. Oh, I bet it stings. If it gets in your eyes. Oh, in my your, God. In your mouth, <gasps> in your ears, Ooh, in your nose. That would suck. It's something that solidifies quickly. Oh, God. Yeah. And so... Kevin runs across the street and calls the robbery in at a payphone. Indeed. He's like, hey, I found the guys who robbed Duncan's toy store. They'll be in Central Park. Look for fireworks. And then he's running away. He's going to lead them deep into the park. But he slips on a patch of ice. And they get him. And they lead him into the park themselves. Oh, they're going to kill him now. It's time to shoot him and be done with him. And Harry takes that gun out of his pocket. It's so disgusting it's gooping with varnish and like they're standing in central park they're gonna plug him marv noticing all of the pigeons oh yeah all the pigeons are gathering like hitchcock (laughs) (laughs) and like marv and myself are big creeped out harry shut up harry shut up i want to enjoy this something's wrong this is the Buzz 2 moment of this film. The Buzz 2 moment? Marv. <laughs> or no, Harry. But instead, it's Harry. Yeah, the tarantula. Shut up, Marv. <laughs> Harry. And then, who comes to Kevin's rescue but the pigeon lady? Yeah, Brenda the pigeon lady. <laughs> She's got like a whole bucket of pigeon feed. Because remember how, how she calls the birds? They can hear the seed hit the ground. Yes. He's fumbling with the gun trying to shoot her. Let him go. Kevin, run! Shoot her! Shoot her! Shoot her! I'm trying to shoot her! And she throws the entire bucket of bird seed on them, and then the attack of the birds. The sound of Marv shrieking, Roz. It's like they're being murdered, <laughs> pecked apart or something. And Kevin lights off those fireworks, those Roman candles, right next to where they are. And he's just waving at Brenda. He's like, thanks. Thanks Thanks for for saving saving my life life again. (laughs) And here comes the NYPD. Finally. Yeah. (laughs) God, jeez. Again, another crime foiled by a child. Yeah. They're, like, processing the scene at the toy store. And, like, Kevin threw that brick through the front window, right? Yeah. To get the alarm to sound. And there's an envelope tied to the rock mm-hmm. addressed to Mr. Duncan. Dear Mr. Duncan, I broke your window to catch the bad guys. I'm sorry. Do you have insurance? If you don't, I'll send you some money if I ever get back to Chicago. Merry Christmas, Kevin McAllister. P.S. Thanks for the turtle doves. Turtle doves. 
it was the little kid that he gave the turtle doves to. Turtle doves. That's such a sweet <laughs> he, scene. He goes, aw. <laughs> like, that is such a big deal. Yeah. Like, Kevin made sure that those, like, sick children didn't get robbed on Christmas. And there's that scene with Kate wandering the streets of New York with that picture of Kevin. Oh, yeah, she's in Times Square, and, which was not a good place to be at the time. And no, no one will help her. And she has to go up to that police car and be like, listen, you know, have you seen him? Can you help me find him? And like, well, did you file a report? And she's like, yes, of course we have. And she's like, okay, trust us. We'll get it done. And it's like, no, 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 I don't think you understand. He's lost right now. We need to find him. And I'm sure this policeman is like, listen, ma'am, I'm a police officer in New York City. I know, but I just kind of feel like he's just waiting. He's got nothing else better to do but sit there and wait to hassle a sex worker. And she's like, do you have kids? And he's like, yes. She's like, cool. Take me to find my son. (laughs) I love the thing she says about because he's like put yourself in his shoes where would he be and i love the thing she says about how like i mean if it was me i'd be dead in the gutter i'd probably be lying dead in the gutter somewhere oh not kevin no kevin is so much stronger and braver than i am no i know kevin's fine i'm sure he is but he's still all by himself in a big city and he doesn't deserve that he deserves to be at home with his own family around his Christmas tree. And I'm like, hey, tears. And then she realizes that if Kevin were to go anywhere, it would be somewhere with a big Christmas tree. She needs to get to Rockefeller Center. Oh, my God. And sure enough, he's in Rockefeller Center looking at that gigantic Christmas tree. And again, we're not praying to God. We're not praying to a star. We're praying to a Christmas tree. We're praying to a Christmas tree. I absolutely love that. And he's making a Christmas wish to see his mother again so he can apologize to her. Even if it's just one more time. I never want another thing as long as I live. I just want my mother. I know I won't see her tonight. Promise me I can see her again. Sometime, anytime. Even if it's just once and only for a couple of minutes. I just need to tell her I'm sorry. That just—it's so sad. You are—you are so young and so alone in the biggest city in the world. Like I want my mom. Well, China has more bigger cities than New York. Well, you but... know what I mean. <laughs> sorry, yeah, sorry, I'm ruining the moment. <laughs> And like, guys, I just, I was just kind of rolling my eyes through this part. Because Because it's the same moment. It's the same moment, right? Almost down to the gasps. Kevin? was fast <laughs> but i love it when they see each other for the first time he he speaks first this time yeah mom i'm sorry i'm sorry too he's like sorry son sorry we managed to misplace you on another family vacation oh my god and so yeah we are back at the McAllisters have put themselves up at the plaza oh yeah because the plaza is in big mood to kiss their ass carrie <laughs> I know what you're gonna say. The whole ass house of a suite <laughs> that they are in. Yeah. Complimentary because they lost their kid. Yeah. But didn't they lose their kid? Stop it. I, they didn't help. I know. This is like, how we avoid lawsuits. But like, oh my god, in that shot we get outside of them unloading the Duncan's toy chest truck and putting shit on dollies, and they all go running into 
the living room <laughs> of this suite that is huge. You could fit five families in there. There's a staircase. The huge Christmas tree that they put up for them. And then it's surrounded by all of these free gifts from Duncan's toy chest. Yeah, Duncan made sure his family had a nice Christmas. And like Kate and Peter come out of their suite. <laughs> Mom, Dad, you gotta see this. And here's my thing. I would like to think that Duncan also, hmm, I don't know, bought some parental gifts or something. Like maybe Kate gets a nice new Tiffany bracelet or something. Maybe Peter gets, oh, I don't know, a nice new set of clubs. (laughs) Because all dads, all All dads, all white dads golf. Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. And maybe Frank got, I don't know. Some Buffett shirts or something. <laughs> some Buffett shirt. And Leslie maybe got her favorite perfume or something. I know Duncan can't possibly know all these things. They're good guesses. And then, like, everybody tears into the gifts. I love it. They can't hold it back any longer. My favorite comment is Leslie's. Now, listen, save the paper. We can save it. We can use it next year. And I'm like, that is such a Christmas ant thing to say. I know. Like, I love that. And then Kevin, watching his family and all of their love tear open all their free presents at the Plaza Hotel in New York City. <sighs> anyway, what he does is he he takes off running and he runs outside of the plaza and I love with the theme swelling and everything and mm-hmm. standing in the park across from the hotel is a pigeon lady, Brenda. Yeah. Brenda's here. And he's like, well, I, I like to think that when he was looking at them opening all that free stuff going, oh, yeah. Brenda, saved my life twice. I remember Brenda. I'm so, and here's my thing. He goes up to her and he offers her one of the two turtle dove ornaments that Mr. Duncan gave him. What's this? It's a turtle dove. I have one, you have one. As long as we each have a turtle dove, we'll be friends forever. And then they have the big hug. Oh! And like, it was like, okay, so you're inviting her in for Christmas, right? Yeah. Is he going to leave her out there in the snow? I want that scene where he welcomes her back to his parents' apartment (laughs) in the Plaza Hotel and them clasping at their pearls. I know. Yeah, like, like, Kevin, what are you doing? Who's that? Yeah, you know? that's the part of the movie we don't see. But no, in the very end, Rob Schneider shows up to their door in the <sighs> hotel. This is the same bit. Mr. McAllister's room service bill. <laughs> and Buzz looking over it. It's $967 <laughs> just for the room service. I know. <laughs> Merry Christmas indeed. Oh, Dad. Kevin, you spent $967 on room service. <gasps> They'll probably lose him again. You know what I mean? I know we don't get any more McAllister adventures after this Home Alone, but they'll probably misplace him again. Can you believe that movie? 
we made more money than the original? See, here's what... I, listen, I know this whole time we have been saying that this is just the same movie again, and it is, but I think it's one of those situations where a sequel has succeeded because of that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like they didn't want a new story. They wanted to go hang out with the same characters in a different place. And like, many yeah. film franchises have done that. And I mean, but like this is one of the few examples of them capitalizing on sailing just on that. And like it is actually halfway decent. Yeah, like I mean, yeah, there's some parts that I'm just like, uh, whatever. But like, and I know I called Home Alone a perfect film, and I still think it is. I don't think this film's necessarily perfect. No. But it's a lot of fun. I like putting myself in his shoes. Like, I'm going to get lost in New York, you know? But, like, not at my expense. Yeah, the caucasity <laughs> of it all. Yeah, like, it's just, there's no way he would have been able to do this if he were not a little white boy. Yeah, and it's... Happy just, holidays. I can't believe that this worked. Especially since the first one didn't almost get made, and then it was such a it was such a success, and they had to do this again. Exactly. And it's just like I, I guess I'm just so stunned because I don't mind it much. Exactly. No, you would usually be mad about something like this, and so would I. Yeah. But like, I don't care. I like seeing the same characters in a new place. You is, know. Is it the nostalgia word? It probably is. Is that what makes us like it? I mean, I've watched this movie more than the first one. Yeah. I really have. I mean, it's the one that's most often on TV. Because it's in New York. Yeah. Like, that was the... They were like, okay, we got to put this somewhere else. (laughs) And where are we going? New York. Where else would we go? Biggest city in the United States. I think it would be quite easy to perfect this movie. You know how? How? We digitally replace Donald Trump... With, with Macaulay Culkin? With, with Whitney Houston. With Whitney. <laughs> hey, she was big that year. Yeah. So. <laughs> I bet we could do it. Excuse me, where's the lobby? Down the hall and to the left, sweet pea. <laughs> <laughs> Rest in peach. All right, guys, that is another Christmas movie in the bag. (laughs) We're running out of Christmas movies. We kind of are, actually. There's only a couple left, and Ross doesn't like any of them. Yeah, and sorry, I really don't want to do the Santa Claus stuff. (laughs) I don't want to do it. Let's not bring Tim Allen back into this. I know. I mean, I know we're going to have to at some point, right? But, like, mm, this is our last, you know, episode before actual Christmas, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So the next time we see you folks, y'all will have uh, celebrated with your family, celebrated the holiday. Or not celebrated at all. Yeah, whatever your flavor. To those of you who don't observe Christmas, happy holidays. Happy holidays. (laughs) May the calendar keep ringing. Happy holidays. But... Next week, we do have another Monday between now and the new year, mm-hmm. and it will be our last episode of the season. Of 2021, yeah, baby. teardrop. And this year, we thought we would end with something that's tangentially Christmas, but not necessarily Christmas. It takes place at Christmas. And guys, don't worry. <laughs> it's not Die Hard. It's not Die Hard. We're not going to do that to you. No. No. We might have to next Christmas, though. <laughs> Just because. Like as a joke. And have the whole argument then. (laughs) And so, guys, next week we will be covering the 1999 telefilm adaptation of 
the musical Annie. Guys, we're ending the year with a musical. Oh, I'm so ready. And one of our favorites. So look out for that next week, guys. In the meantime, you can go follow us on Twitter at KickNStream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at kickingandstreamingpodcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. And don't forget, folks, please be practicing the three R's. Rate, review, retweet. Rate, review, retweet, folks. We want everyone to come and join our little watch party. More quality content coming to you from Kicking and Streaming. Until then, I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And as always, sorry Marv.